0: And him preached. i don't think joey has to do any background music unless you want you want it okay so let's welcome Stephen. it's so good to have him back one year later <clears throat> and the fires are burning hotter now than they were then hallelujah yes we had a a marvelous time wonderful time i uh You know, Timothy, one of the first things that Timothy told me about uh, when I first met him was about how when the prophetic movement first ignited in the 80s, um, you know, they would go out a lot of times, the prophets, two by two. And I love going out with other prophets. Um, Hey, brother, uh, can we turn off these fans here? Is that all right? Or maybe you can just move them off of me because it's going to blow my Bible all over the place. (laughs) I'm going to be like, I'm going to preach and then be like, all right, where's my spot? Hey, so. I don't need them directly on me. I'll probably sweat like crazy, but um, it's still blowing my page. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that'll work. I think that'll work. Um, But anyways, um, there's something about it, you know. Jesus sent them out two by two, you know. So I love joining together with with Timothy. Your guys is a pastor, but a a, a true prophet, you know. Um, There's synergy there. We come together. We stir each other up. You know, he gives me wisdom. I give him youthful zeal. Hallelujah! <laughs> he comes out. You know, hey, I feel 25. You know, <laughs> and then we're really in the glory and in grace, and we go through in and out on the way home. And he hasn't had in and out in a year. You know, and he's like, f- 20 minutes later, he's over there in the passenger seat. I'm like, oh man, we tuckered him out. You know, little glory, little prophecy, little burger, and he's gone. You know. <laughs> but it was great, it was great. We had such a good time. You know, I was so happy to to be with him again. So happy to be with you guys again, you know. It's been exactly one year. And, uh, you know, there's been some weirdness, you know, some crazy stuff's happening right now in the world, in the body of Christ. But how many of you guys know that ultimately in the body of Christ we're family? Amen. We're joined together by a deeper bond than even blood of the natural. We're joined together by the bond of the spirit. Amen. It's called Koinea. So I do hope that I'm able to continue to come back here, you know, always in the future, um, see my family in Reading. Amen. If you have your Bible, go to uh, Matthew 16. I'm going to continue a message. Actually, I started in Modesto. Wasn't able to finish. I've been really uh, feasting on this. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to pray first. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you tonight, Lord. Open up your word. Lord, we just want to break bread with you tonight, Lord. We want to break bread, and we're asking that you would feed us that bread, Lord. We're asking that you would give us, Lord, revelation here tonight, Lord. Revelation. We don't just want to uh, read words or hear stories, Lord, but we need revelation. We need insight. We need understanding. We need the light to shine in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. We need that tonight. We pray, give it to us, Lord. Let us see things in your word that we've never seen before, Lord. Let us partake of you in an intimate way tonight, Lord, through your word, by the power of your spirit, Lord. Lord, we invite the spirit of truth, Lord. We invite the spirit of truth, and we just say, do what you want to do, Lord. Do what you want to do here. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you were in the leadership meeting the other morning, um, I talked about this recent experience that I had in Moravian Falls where I was caught up into heaven and I was caught up in a courtroom in heaven I've been having a lot of courtroom encounters which I think is interesting because I've never read one of Robert Henderson's books you know not that they're not good or anything you know in case you're wondering that's the guy who wrote all the courtroom you know the courts of heaven books right it's become like destiny image bestseller right it's like a big trend I haven't read any of those books but I've been being caught up into all these courtrooms so you know, it makes me think, wow, there's something about that, right? And I even think about the grace movement, how the grace movement, you know, is all against judgment, but the courts of heaven is understanding justice and judgment from heaven, right? That it's not just something that has to do with covenants or dispensations here on the earth, but it's something that's an eternal aspect of God's kingdom, amen? You can't have a kingdom without courts. You can't have a a king, okay, without a kingdom and courts, and that's why you can't have ultimately a king without a judge, amen? Amen? If there's no judge inherit in the kingship of christ then there really is no justice amen how many of you guys enjoy justice has anybody ever experienced true justice when you've been under the weight of injustice and the enemy comes in and uses that to torment you and torture you but then the lord waves his hand i'm reminded of daniel the lord you know issued a decree on behalf of the saints right there's those decrees that are released from the courts of heaven. The Lord releases justice, and oh man, are you thankful for justice when it comes. Amen? It's like this weight is taken off of you. It's like you're given new life, new energy. It's like the, it's such a special kiss of heaven. Amen? Well, without the eternal ministry of Christ's own judgment, there would be none of that sweet justice in your life. Amen? The people that are fighting against judgment doctrine, oh man, they love it whenever it shows up in the form of justice for them. That's what they don't understand. There's two sides to that. The enemy may be judged, the evil may one may be judged, but you're given the blessing of justice, amen? Even restitution, a paying back of what was taken and stolen. How many guys like that? Like to be paid back, amen? The Lord will have recompense. The Bible calls it a recompense, a paying back of what's been stolen. Um, But anyways, I see the courts of heaven movement being released in the body of Christ as trying to, the Lord trying to teach us some aspects of this. Amen? Um, Because we have to know our authority in the kingdom. We have to know our place in Christ. And the Bible says, come boldly before the throne. But if you don't know how to come boldly before the throne, if you don't know how to operate in the courts of heaven, even that legal system that God has created, God has set up, you're not going to be able to get much done in it. Right? Barring just the sovereign hand of God. How many of you guys know the Lord does move sovereignly? But there's times where you, through revelation and faith, have to approach the throne of God. Amen? You have to do it. On behalf of you, on behalf of your family, on behalf of what the enemy's been bringing against you. Amen? And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. But I've been being caught up in the courts of heaven. Um, I remember last year I had one of the most terrible attacks... Um, levied against me I was talking with Timothy and Jennifer about this um, I think yesterday at lunch about this I've been having this breathing difficulty with me and it's supernatural um, I go into the doctor they say my heart's fine my lungs fine my blood pressure's normal you know I know I don't look like it but I'm usually in the gym four or five times a week you know and hallelujah I'm just healthy in the glory praise God hallelujah um, but uh, it's like supernatural it's like supernatural it's an attack that came against me actually when I was ministering in in a Catholic church in Germany (laughs) right can you say yikes (laughs) what business did I have going there without having the intercessors rallied (laughs) first right I said you know the next time I'm preaching either a Catholic church or going to Germany I'm having like a like an intercessors retreat first (laughs) right (laughs) I'm going to walk out of those intercessory meetings soaked in oil hallelujah um, but man, there was such a heavy demonic attack that came on me. I literally felt like I could not breathe for weeks. And it's continued to come on me at times, you know. Um, you know so I'm still wrestling with it. It's part of wrestling with those higher powers, I believe. Um, but I can remember when it broke. I can remember when that first sort of attack came against me and actually broke. It was when I got back on the road and, I st- and my glory mantle came o- on me to minister again. And the first night i stepped in the pulpit it snapped it broke and then that night the lord showed me what had happened in the courts of heaven i was standing in the courts of heaven and jesus is looking at me and he he does his fist just like this and i could see the nail mark in his hand and when he squeezed his fist the blood came pouring out of that nail mark and and hit the floor it was like a marble looking floor and the moment it hit the floor the lord pointed at me and he said he is justified by my blood he is justified so i knew that a ruling had been made in heaven where the lord said all right i've allowed satan to come against my job for a season but now enough is enough that's it right and when you see it in heaven when you see it bound in heaven you can see it bound on the earth when you see it loosed in heaven you can see it loosed on the earth so ultimately in matthew 16 when jesus was talking about the kings of the kingdom it's men and women that move in Revelation. They know what heaven's doing, and because they know how heaven's moving, they can then release the same thing here that's being released there. They can bind the same thing that's being bound there, here. And that's the real key to breakthrough right there. The real key to breakthrough is aligning with heaven. You remember 2 Samuel 5? I think it's First Chronicles 14. The spirit of breakthrough. You remember that? A lot of charismatics like to preach from this, but it was when David was coming out against the philistines and he inquired of the lord you know strategy from the lord how are we gonna confront the philistines and the lord gave him a strategy he said wait okay to go into battle until you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees you remember that so what is that that's the armies of heaven that's the angelic armies wait until it's being loosed there first then it can be loosed here Right? Wait until the enemy's being bound there, then it can be bound here. Move with heaven. Amen? And I personally think this is the reason why the gates of Hades prevails against the church. The gates of hell prevails against the church. We build too much on an unsolid foundation, which is lack of revelation. We build too much with the mind of man. Okay? Which we're going to talk about in this scripture. Jesus specifically builds Um, talks about the mind of men in the scripture and he rebukes Peter for it and says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. I believe the mind of man in God's eyes is satanic. It's satanic. Oh, but it's a good idea. Well, if it's not a God idea, it's not the Lord. If it's not a God idea, ultimately you will have no solidity. It will have no strength. The only one that can overcome the evil one, the only one that can overcome the enemy, is Christ Jesus. And Jesus is the word. He is the revelation. Unless you're moving in Christ Jesus, the revelation, the word, everything you're going to be building is unsolid. It's, it's not solid. It's not secure. The enemy will find a way to break it down. Are you hearing me? That's why we've got to be very careful what we build. I want to repeat this encounter I don't know if I Spoke this uh, I've been telling this To a lot of people lately I know I've told it I think to Jennifer and, And Timothy Since I've been here I don't know if I said it The other morning At the leadership meeting But I'll say it again Just in case You know some of you Haven't heard it The Lord came to me A couple years ago And he was teaching me About how to build In ministry And he said Don't you ever build anything Unless you're prepared To burn it to the ground In a moment If I come and tell you To do so In a moment Isn't that amazing? There's many people in ministry that have built things not out of the heart of God, not of revelation, but out of the mind of men. Well, Lord, we have all this money. We got to build something, (laughs) right? Instead of seeking the Lord on revelation and where those finances are to flow. So when the Lord come and tests their hearts and says, I want this, I want that, they can't give it up to Him. They can't sacrifice. They're like the rich man. They're like the rich man that can't, leave these things and follow jesus are you hearing me now the point is okay the, the the point i'm i'm not trying to make is that you can't have stuff the point i'm trying to make is that stuff can't have you and the only way for you to really be tested if stuff has you or not is to have your stuff taken is to have your stuff compromised is lord coming to ask you for your stuff amen um Many times the truth of God's word, right? People, ministries should be very careful before they take big loans out. They should be very careful before they purchase big buildings, before they get on the, you know, strung along, you know, and and become debtors to the big banks and stuff. They should be very, very careful before they do that because there could come a a situation, a season right around the corner where the Lord says, all right, you're going to obey me here. I'm calling you to do this. They say, Lord, I can't obey you with that because the members won't like that and I won't be able to make the mortgage. Are you hearing me? This is a major, major issue. This is when Satan comes and the gates of Hades prevail against the church. It's because what you've built has not been built on revelation. When you build it based on revelation, it's not yours in the first place. You get none of the credit, you get none of the glory. What you built was not because of your expertise. It was not because of your brilliance. It was not because of your intelligence. It was not because you just made such great financial decisions. It's because God gave it to you as a gift. Amen? It's not yours to begin with. It's his. Amen? <clears throat> but But uh, the courts of heaven. I had this encounter back in June. It's caught up in the courts of heaven. There's a case being tried from the heavenly realm. And it got me to thinking about... Uh, this scripture here in Matthew 16 verses 18 and 19 it says and I also say to you uh, excuse me that you are Peter on this rock I will build my church the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven right on this rock of the revelation of Christ not just Peter receiving it but peter becoming a manifestation of that revelation on that place the lord says keys will be given right on that place of revelation in jesus keys of the kingdom will be given and then whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven 100 percent of the time whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven how many of you guys kind of tired of having your results how many of you guys would like to have jesus's results how many guys would like to have his fruit in exchange for your fruit? Amen. I mean, I can't get into the details in this public meeting of the situation I've been involved in. But there's a situation Timothy knows that I'm involved in right now where it seems that the enemy at work in this situation has not been able to be bound for decades. The enemy has had a loophole. He's been, the gates of Hades have been prevailing against the church in this area. But now there's come a revelation There's come an alignment between heaven and earth There's a loosing in heaven, a binding in heaven Now a loosing in the earth A binding in the earth And now it's finally going to be dealt with It's finally going to be dealt with And it's all based on the revelation of Jesus Amen Go back to verse 13 I'm going to start there It says when Jesus came into the region of Cicerai Philippi Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they say, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, verse 15. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? The Lord spoke to me the other day, and he said, Stephen, every major apostolic ministry... Apostolic movement that has ever been birthed in the church either true or false apostolic Is based On how the apostles of that movement answer this question It's based On their personal revelation of jesus It's as high as the movement can go It's as strong as the movement is that's as weak as the movement is As weak and as vulnerable as a movement is as much access points as the devil has to a movement is completely based on the apostles and prophets of that movement, their personal revelation of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Now, I think it's interesting because Jesus said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? If you notice a few verses later, the revelation that Peter got, the revelation that the gates of Haiti will not be able to prevail against is Jesus, the son of the living God. Not son of man, son of God. You notice that? You notice how Jesus is the son of man, but he's the son of God too? But it was not being made manifest at that time yet. He was appearing on the scene in Israel. He was being received as a rabbi. He was being received as a prophet. And people were beginning to talk. Is it Jeremiah? Is it Elijah? Is it John the Baptist? Come back. I think it's also interesting to note that in the Old Testament... All of those prophets were called the son of man. You remember that? That's actually a messianic title. Son of man. Right? Also son of David as well. But son of man refers, I believe, to Jesus the prophet. It's Jesus the prophet in Ezekiel saying, Son of man, prophesy to these dry bones. Son of man, prophesy. Son of man, what do you see? Jeremiah. Amen? But I believe ultimately... What the spirit of god is speaking to me through the scripture right now is that there was a revelation of jesus even god that came forth through the prophet jeremiah we know it was a revelation of jesus because it was the word right even though everybody couldn't see it it wasn't fully unveiled really what was really going on there but jesus the word it was still a revelation of the word right it was still a revelation of jesus but i believe that Those represent certain aspects of the revelation of Jesus that came at the time of Jeremiah, that came at the time of Elijah, even John the Baptist, but they were not sufficient revelations of Jesus. They were still revelations that if they were built on those inferior revelations, the gates of Hades would still prevail against it. This revelation had to come forth, and it was Jesus the Christ the son of the living God. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church. It's interesting because Simon means reed, okay? Like a reed shaken in the wind. And Peter actually means rock. All right? You guys know this was a, a chapter where Peter's having a name change. You guys know the principle of name change in the Bible? When someone has a name change in the Bible, they're having an incredible encounter. Right? Why is somebody having a name change connected to an incredible encounter? Because they're encountering Jesus. They're encountering God. Revelation is coming. And when a new name is given, that means a new level of glory. Even the glory of Jesus Christ is being revealed in and through them. They're understanding more of their personal identity in Christ. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing when you follow Israel's history. There was a progressive revelation and unveiling of Yahweh. There was a progressive revelation and unveiling of Jehovah, right? And they began to progressively understand new aspects of his nature. Jehovah Nisi, right? Right? Jehovah Jireh the Lord my provider that was revealed on Mount Moriah when Abraham needed the sacrifice amen he needed the ram caught in the thicket the substitute for his own son amen and then the Lord revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh the Lord who will provide amen Jehovah Rophe, Jehovah Ropha the Lord our healer amen the Lord progressively unveiled new aspects of himself new dimensions of himself and it came with a new name. Amen? So there are names given to the church. There are names given to the bride. There are some names in the book of Revelation, a name written which no man knows. Why? Because they don't have a revelation of that yet. What happens when those names begin to be revealed to the bride? That means there's a greater manifestation of the revelation of Christ unveiling even through our own flesh, through the bride. But you see, the church must come up higher into a revelation of who Jesus is if we're going to really see a church built in which the gates of Haiti do not prevail against it. I don't know about you, I'm sick of the devil having so much access. I'm sick of the devil coming in and so clearly infiltrating movements and churches, even my own life, through things that I'm ignorant about Jesus about, right? I'm ignorant of Jesus about. I said this today, at the Businessmen's Fellowship, you know, this is why we need each other, right? This is why God gave us a body. Because there may be gaps in my life in which the enemy will try to infiltrate, but when I come together with Timothy, maybe he has a revelation that can cover me on that. Maybe he has something that he can impart to me, that he can speak into me, something that I don't have revelation on, but he can cover me, right? And everybody's got a unique revelation in the body of Christ, of Jesus, and I believe when we come together, we can cover one another, Isn't that amazing? Um, But we have to know those that labor among us. We have to receive the other gifts. We have to receive different gifts. And that's one of the major problems in many apostolic movements in the earth today is they're receiving these gifts over here, but they're not receiving these gifts over here for various reasons, and therefore they're not covered. Right? They're not covered. There's big gaping holes, right? There's some movements that don't receive profits, Right? And there's big gaping holes that the enemy's marching right through and terrorizing their people with, right? If you had a prophet that you could actually trust in your midst, it would it would stick out like, like crazy to them, right? Because they have the grace from God to discern that. They have the grace of God to see that, amen? And there's many prophets, and I'm sure Timothy's ran into this before, prophets a lot of times have so much revelation about everybody else and everything else but they are, are so blind at times when it comes to themselves. So the prophets need the pastors, right? They need those pastors. They need, you know, uh, people that are specially gifted by God that can discern hearts and can speak into people's hearts. Amen? Prophets deal with so much brokenness, so much rejected uh, rejection. They have to have that grace gift of the pastor to speak to their hearts. Amen? help shepherd them in their hearts but it's interesting simon the reed shaken in the wind is changed to peter the rock there's some solidity that comes in his life i think it's interesting because later on in the epistles of paul there's a story in there i believe it's galatians where paul the apostle rebukes peter right for like going back on his word and you know uh throwing a bunch of law on the gentiles you remember this story And Paul rebuked Peter, saying, You're like a reed, shaken in the wind. You remember that? He was calling him Simon. He said, You're acting like Simon. What was that? You're going back in revelation here. You're losing the progressive revelation that God has brought forth in the identity of who you now stand as and in as Peter. You're losing that. You're going backwards here. Stand strong in who you are as Peter. Stand strong with the revelation that God has given you. Amen. that's what he was saying. But, you know, it's hard to do that. It's very, very hard. When you're on the cutting edge of something in revealing Christ, I mean, say, you know, God called Joey, you know, just to go and be a missionary in the Methodist church or something, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I think he'd be pretty cutting edge, you know, in some Methodist churches around, right? And uh, if the Lord really called him to be a missionary there, <laughs> Hey, um, the Lord would give him grace to stand strong in the revelation that he carries of Christ now. Why? Because if the Lord sent him there, they need the revelation of, of Christ that he carries. Amen? But it was hard because Peter's launching out there and he's starting to rub shoulders with Titus and uncircumcised Gentile Christians. This was like huge. This was like mind blown for the Jew, right? They're like, you know God, but you... Circumcised, like, right? It's really weird, and there was just so much pressure, so much religious, political pressure, you know, to to put that weight on them, right? And he's getting pressure from James, and he's getting pressure from, you know, the other Jews, the other apostles. Paul had to rebuke him. You know, Paul had this special grace to stand strong in his gospel to the Gentiles, amen. And I believe it was the rebuke of Paul to Peter that actually helped Peter. To come back, help Peter to actually stay in the revelation, Peter. Amen. But he says, "On this rock will I build my church?" Now it's interesting. Jesus specifically says that the Father revealed this to Peter. Okay. Now the thought that I had. Come here for a second, Joey. Standing with me here for a second. I always use this example lately when I'm preaching this. How's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm gonna punch you, and no, I'm joking. Hey. <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, Jesus is the word, right? You guys understand that Jesus is the word. Jesus is the manifestation of the thought and intent of God's own heart and mind. Right? He's the expression of the thought and intent of God's heart and mind. He comes forth. He proceeds forth from the bosom of the Father, from the mouth of the Father. He is that expression of God's heart and mind, right? Jesus is the word. So when the Lord said to Peter... You've actually received this directly from the Father. I think it's interesting, because normally, wouldn't it have to come from the Father through the expression of the Son, the Word, then to Peter? Doesn't that make more sense, right? But in that moment, Peter was standing with Jesus in manifest sonship. He was standing in that moment in union with Christ. What brought the union with Christ? Revelation. When you have a revelation from God, in that moment, you're one with Christ. You're one with the Word, right? And that revelation proceeds directly from the Father, and that is what the Lord has declared. I will build my church on this. When my apostles come into union with me, when my apostles walk in union in my heart and my mind, they don't just have a revelation, they become a revelation. They don't just have epistles, they become living epistles known and read of all men. Amen? I think that's what we've been lacking. We've been lacking apostles and prophets and men and women that have a high enough revelation of Jesus. You can sit down, buddy. You know, Paul said this, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 9, Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? there's a lot of people today being called apostles but many of them have never even seen Jesus I don't know about you that kind of strikes me as a red flag Paul specifically said am I not an apostle is it not proven because I have seen the Lord Jesus what does that mean he says I was established in my apostleship the same way Peter was I have seen the Lord I have a revelation of Christ Now, am I saying that you can't have a revelation of Christ without having your spiritual eyes open? No, that's not what I'm saying. But but specifically tied to his revelation of Christ was those high-level prophetic giftings in operation. There are some things that Paul had to be activated as a prophet in in order to receive the greater mysteries, the greater revelation, even the unfolding of the mystery of the gospel to the Gentiles. He could not understand that unless he had gone to the deserts of Arabia to the wilderness and had beheld the Lord. He actually talks about how it came by the revelation of Jesus. I believe it came by visitations of the Lord. Amen? But you see, apostles must have this. They must have these higher level prophet giftings at work. They will not have the discernment to stand in their office of apostleship if they don't have those things in operation. Amen? <clears throat> but so Peter's standing here And he's having a moment of union He's having a moment where the father is speaking Directly to him like the son This is what's called fellowship with the counsel of God The counsel of the Godhead Right? This is what Moses was invited into The Bible says that God in Ephesians 1.11 Predestinates everything according to the counsel of his own will did you know that within the godhead there is counseling there is fellowship and there is counseling what does that mean the father says this is what i think and jesus says well this is what i think don't forget the blood right and the holy spirit says this is what i think and it's like neurons firing in the brain of god right I don't know, sorry, I'm being prophetic weird now. Hey, but it's like this beautiful thing. And to think, Timothy, we're invited into the predestined fellowship of the council of the Godhead. This is what happened in Exodus when Moses was invited into the council of the Godhead. I don't believe ultimately that Moses changed anything. He was just a part of the council whenever they were deciding what to do with rebellious Israel. I believe it was already predestined in the heart of God. How many of you guys know that God ultimately did not want to destroy Israel and start over with Moses? That was not the revealed will of the Lord. That was the revealed counsel. It's like just because you talk about it doesn't mean you were going to do it, right? Just because it was talked about in court doesn't mean that was the final rendering from the judge. He got invited in the council of God and people today say, well... It shows that God changed his mind. I don't believe it, it shows that God changed his mind. I just believe it shows that there was counsel going on. There was deliberation. The Father was saying, they're guilty. They need to die now. But the Bible says that there's mercy. Amen? There's mercy in the Godhead as well. And mercy speaks up and says, hey, we shouldn't kill them right now because what will all the other nations say? So we will bring forth judgment. This generation will die. And they will be buried in this wilderness... And only their children will be be allowed to go on... Right? So see how there was deliberation... There was counsel... And then there was a judgment that came forth from that counsel... But Moses was invited right into the middle of that... Isn't that amazing? You and I are invited into the middle of it... And you know how I started understanding this, Timothy? The way that I started understanding this... Is I started being caught up into the fellowship... The counsel of God's will... Through visions and prophetic experiences... And I would see things that were going to come on the earth, even in some people's lives. And some of the times it wasn't good things. And I would pray and I'd pray and I'd pray. And nothing that I would pray or do would change it. It would happen. And I would say, Lord, why did you show me if I wasn't being shown to be able to change it? Because the Lord says, you weren't given access to something that can actually change. You were being accessed to something that was predestined. You were being gi- given access to the counsel, the will of God that is predestined. Well, you and I are predestined according to the counsel of his will. Did you know that eons ago, there was this council taking place in the Godhead, and they say, we're going to bring forth my brother here at this time, in this hour. According to God's predestined will. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing to me. Amazing. Now, of course, you know, at times we see things in the prophetic and we do pray, and it does seem like it changed. Right? And I don't understand all that, but there's an aspect of the prophetic that I've been invited into. It's called, I would call it predestination. It's something that a lot of Pentecostals don't touch on because we're so many of us are Armenians. We're just convinced that we can change whatever we want through faith. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Faith is only determined on the word of God. The word of God is based on the predestined will of God. We're actually flowing with the Lord. We're discovering what the Lord wants. We're discovering what the Lord's will is, what he's doing, and we're flowing with that. Amen? We were talking about it on the way home. When Jonah came in and he prophesied that Nineveh would be overthrown, I believe it was always God's will for Nineveh to repent and be saved in that moment Even though the word Was you're going to be overthrown You're going to be judged Somehow in, in the counsel of God's will He knew the perfect word of wisdom What is the word of wisdom? The word of wisdom is the exact right words That you need to hear in the moment It doesn't have to be a prophecy It doesn't have to be foretelling of future events It doesn't have to be an unveiling of knowledge Things that's already taking place in your life The word of wisdom is the exact right words you need to hear in the moment right now. Apples of gold set in sockets of silver. You ever read that scripture? So the Lord knew that Jonah had to say that to Nineveh under the anointing, but that would actually cause them to repent. Of course, I think Jonah wrestled with this because he's like, well, Lord, you had me go in and you had me prophesy something and it didn't happen. And the Lord's like, it was never my will for it to happen in the first place. I'm looking for opportunities to show mercy. Amen? I don't know how I got down that little revelatory rabbit trail. But hey, I trust it was good. I'm sharing with you guys a little bit of my prophetic journey. Is that all right? That's the way I minister anyways. Like No matter what I'm doing anywhere, I'm just sharing with you my prophetic journey ultimately. And I've been learning all this stuff about, like, sovereignty and predestination and election. Stuff that, you know, that Calvin guy talked about. You know, that we're just supposed to call bonkers. You know, nuts. And, and, and there are so many gaping holes that Satan's walking right through the charismatic church through. Because we do not understand some of the revelations of Jesus that John Calvin was given. Now, of course, there's extremes in everything, right? Hi- Hyper-Calvinism. You know, people predestined for hell you know i mean there's that's a very complex subject i don't have time to get into right now the bible says in romans 9 that pharaoh was predestined to be a vessel of wrath you can't get around it it's in the bible no matter how much you twist scripture and you know write a whole new version and make up your own bible (laughs) i guess that's the only way to get around it right there's people doing that scary but uh no matter how many ways you try to get around it with keeping the original text it's there it says that god predestined pharaoh to be a vessel of wrath and people say well that's not my god that's mean that's ugly well first of all number one you're not god he is right that's number one number two you don't have to receive a scriptural you don't have to excuse me understand a scriptural truth before you receive it that's number two And what if you actually received the scriptural truth in the first place by childlike faith? Then maybe you could actually understand it. What we do is we come with our revelation, just like it says here, is he Jeremiah, is he Elijah, is he John the Baptist? Are you seeing where I'm correlating this here? We come with our current level of revelation and we say, well, that doesn't fit what I have. That doesn't fit what's been revealed in my time, what I have up to this point therefore i can't receive it right in case you're wondering this revelation that peter just stepped into here is quite revolutionary in the jewish psyche i mean eventually jesus was sentenced under blasphemy okay the sentence of blasphemy because he called himself the son of god right blasphemy this is quite against the jewish psyche because in order for someone to be called the son of god he's calling himself equal with god that would make him god and they just never quite comprehended that right to them i think you know and i'm not a jewish eschatological expert you know on what jews believed you know about the end of the messiah coming up to the coming of the lord but through reading the scriptures i gather that they probably believed that the messiah wasn't god right because when he came on the scene and called himself the son of god equal with god they had a big problem with it right but peter had to lay that aside all right he couldn't come with his current level and expect to receive the next level amen he had to lay that aside receive it by faith manifest it by faith and more understanding would come amen so us pentecostals us charismatics we have to receive all those scriptures read romans 9 read romans 10 read romans 11 there's some scary stuff in there It would appear that God's saying that he predestined some people even from hell. It would appear that way. But we know, even though we're reading it, God is altogether good. Altogether loving. Altogether trustworthy. Amen? I personally believe it can be understood somewhat like this. God ultimately knew the choices that Pharaoh would make. So based on what was in Pharaoh's heart, even trying his own heart from the foundations of the world, he predestined him according to his own choice. You understand? Just like Satan, he knew ultimately Lucifer would fall so he predestined it all according to the purpose of his will. You understand? And that's why Satan fits into God's plan ultimately like a pawn. He's being used like a pawn for greater purposes because God had foresight. He had predestination. Right? Right? Now, I want you to see this here. I've already explained the keys of the kingdom of heaven, binding and loosing. I believe that's revelation. What we see in revelation, we're seeing a perspective from heaven and we have to release it here on the earth. We have to speak it and we have to do it. Amen? Not just speak it, do it. Jesus said, I hear what the Father's saying, I see what the Father's doing, okay? And I do likewise. Amen? It's not enough just to decree and declare it and pray it out, we have to actually do it. Verse 20, then, you know, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to stress that point right now because that's a big part of intercession. You ever heard of prophetic acts? Well, how about a prayer act? Here's a prayer act for you. How about you actually do what you're praying for? Wow, that's revolutionary, right? We can get into such a praying mode that we're not actually doing, right? In praying, we're hearing, but the Lord says, don't be a hearer, only be a doer of the word. Your doing is a form of intercession. Are you hearing me? Your doing is a form of intercession. It is. There's sometimes when your intercession needs to move from your knees to your feet and you need to get out there and stand in the gap. Amen? And do it. Verse 20, Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. I love that, Timothy. Timothy. Because Peter has just come into the most amazing revelation of Jesus. And then Jesus is like, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't you love that? It's like that is a major test for prophetic people. That's a major test for gifted people, people that are having encounters. Can you have an encounter and then shut up? Joseph, oh, I'm having encounters. I'm going to be the king prison i couldn't shut up right oh man i'm sure we've all failed this right the lord you know saw that in his foresight as well you know same thing with, with joseph the lord saw it all he saw joseph's immaturity in handling the prophetic revelation and he caused it to work all according to the purpose of his will The predestined purpose of will. Isn't that beautiful? You see, one of the reasons why I love sovereignty, I love predestination, is because now I don't get any of the glory. I don't get any of the glory. I find myself here right now at this exact moment because I've been predestined by God to walk according to His will. And even my mistake, everything that's brought me here, He gets all the glory. It's all Him. Amen? I'm just stepping into it, walking in that grace. I believe um, predestination is a major part of grace. You're walking in steps that have already been formed for you. You're walking a path that has already been walked for you. Isn't that amazing? You feel the grace on it. But Jesus tells them, shut up, right? Rough translation, you know, but shut up. Verse 21, from that time Jesus began to show. All right? How many you guys know there's further revelation? Amen? There's further revelation. Tell me, I just want a little question and answer here. Tell me, what is one of the, uh, the pitfalls of the prophetic in revival culture? What is one of the pitfalls? <clears throat> How many of you guys know movements and people that have a big revelation of Jesus and then they park their whole movement there? Right, what I'm getting at is one of the pitfalls, one of the shortcomings is to have such a major revelation of Jesus and then decide we've arrived, This is it right now notice the nature of the revelation that that Peter received how many of you guys would call that an amazing revelation even the revelation that succeeded it the church excuse me the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against Peter what I've just done in you can you say invincible can you say Captain America ain't got nothing on that right invincible Invincible. Amazing, right? That's an amazing revelation. Right? I I would call that an overcoming victory. Revival. Would you call that a kingdom revelation, Joey? I call that a kingdom revelation. I mean, you're talking about the keys to the kingdom, right? How many guys know we've been coming into some kingdom revelation over the last 10, 20 years? Amen? We're much more than a denomination, we're a kingdom. We have a king, amen some of you are looking at me like where are you going Stephen come on relax this isn't the only place on planet earth where kingdoms taught I first learned about the kingdom from Miles Monroe not Bill Johnson so relax (laughs) are you guys okay I'm going somewhere with this he begins to show to his disciples you see that's a greater unveiling a greater revelation now in our minds just follow me here and see if you agree with me logically in our minds we think that revelation is supposed to get greater that if we have a revelation of victory and kingdom that revelation of kingdom and victory is supposed to be greater right because the increase of his government and his kingdoms is no end right you guys follow me we would think that god would build upon that even in the same spirit let's say spirit of victory overcoming keys of the kingdom the gates of hell will not prevail against us right Now what is the spirit of the word that Jesus brings here? What's the nature of the revelation? Listen to this, he says, He began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer? What? What are you talking about? Suffering. No! You see, in Peter's mind, the gates of hell will not prevail. Now it's time for Messiah to take his throne in Israel and let's boot Caesar out of here right we know that's where their minds were because the first question they asked right before jesus ascended was when will you restore the kingdom of israel right we know you've come with the kingdom of heaven but what about our kingdom what about the kingdom of israel you're the king of the jews what are you doing leaving right what about all the jewish eschatology that we've held on to for a thousand years He says, I'm going to give you a greater revelation. Here's the greater revelation. Suffering. Oh, no, no. Watch this, watch this. He says, I'm going to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes. I'm going to be killed. What? How can you be the Messiah? How can you be the king? How can you take the throne of Israel if you're dead? What? This makes no sense, especially since I'm in the overcoming revelation of Peter, the rock. I mean, come on, why would you give me such an amazing revelation and then allow yourself to be prevailed against? See, seems to make no sense, right? God just loves this stuff. He just messes with us. I'm telling you, all this messing with us is to reveal our own hearts. It's to reveal just how much we don't know. You have a revelation and you have a revival and you build a big church and you still know nothing. You know nothing. You're like a little child stumbling around the dark still. You still know nothing. So why don't you just humble yourself? Why don't you just say yes to Jesus when he says something that blows your mind? Maybe if you say yes before you understand, maybe you'll understand a little later. He says, I'm going to be, suffer, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be raised the third day. Whoa, this is like mind-blown. Verse 22, then Peter took him aside. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him? What? I mean, who does this guy think he is? I'm telling you right now, this is happening in the church today. There are men and women that have been used in the prior move of God. And during that move, they had a union with Christ. They had a revelation of Jesus. Does anybody remember the 80s? You remember the 80s. Hallelujah. Woo! He wore those suits and had that briefcase, you know. and Had like five people that waited on him at all times, man. He was word of faith. Hallelujah. Living large. Had money, <laughs> hey, we won't talk about that. Ugh. I'll give you my book later, no, I'm joking, hey. But, uh, you know, you remember the 80s? It's like the whole church had this massive shift, and they're like, wow, Jesus is the prophet. <laughs> That's like revolutionary. And even more than that, like six months later, they're like, wow, Jesus is the prophet in him. Jesus is the prophet in me. And then all of a sudden, we were given a new name, right? Simon to Peter, just reverend to prophet, a new identity of the nature and the virtue and the power of Jesus coming forth, and it came with a fresh manifestation of the Lord. Jesus started prophesying through churches and through pulpits and men and women all over the planet because the Lord brought forth and restored that name, Jesus the prophet. Amen? But what happens oftentimes? We have that revelation. We have it all figured out. The next move comes along that doesn't look like ours, and we begin to rebuke the Lord. We begin to rebuke the Lord. We think we know better than the Lord. And in some cases, it becomes so blatantly arrogant and prideful That men and women have the audacity to speak directly contrary to the Scriptures. Directly contrary to the Scriptures. Clear New Testament doctrine. New Covenant theology. And then you're just shocked. It's scary. Because you're like, wow, Jesus is standing here in our day saying to men and women behind our pulpits, get behind me, Satan. Satan. I don't care if you just had a major move of God but that revelation. Now you're channeling the voice of Satan. And we think it's not possible, but it's right here in the word. You know, this scripture, uh, Jennifer, is so profound. This chapter right here is a snapshot of the entire church and everything that could happen and everything that would happen. All the tests and trials. About the church, all the cycles of revival. The church has a revelation And then the very next verse is the church has the audacity to correct the Lord, has the audacity to rebuke the Lord, and becomes the voice of Satan. Scary stuff. Now notice how in verse 21, it was a revelation concerning the end. (laughs) Something about those end revelations. Those revelations concerning the end that tend to trip us up, that we tend to not be able to catch. You remember Israel's end, right? When it came, John the Baptist was the first one that began announcing it. He said things like this, did I not warn you to flee from the wrath that's coming? There's wrath coming on this nation. I'm warning you. He spoke things like this. The the ax has already been laid to the tree. What is the tree? That's the fig tree. The ax was laid to it. They were cut off. And the Gentile church was grafted right in. John the Baptist said, it's already happening. You're already being judged and you can't even hear and you can't even see what God's doing in your midst. Right? But because the Jews had it all figured out concerning their end, ultimately they could not see their end. It was near. And I'm telling you right now, there is major confusion there is major people in the church right now rebuking Jesus concerning what he's speaking about our end and our end is near and we can't even see it just like the Jews we are no different than the Jews in many cases no different and that's why Paul warned he said continue in the goodness of God or else you will be cut off just like them that was a warning to the church that we could be judged severely just like Israel yet nobody's listening just like Israel in their day when their end came. you guys hearing me tonight? I think I got some revelation on this. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Wow. I don't know about you, that just strikes me. Because once again, he's directly contrary. He's directly speaking against the words of Jesus. You know, that's a high level of deception when someone can read a scripture and say the exact opposite out of their mouths and stand by it with conviction and all their millions of dollars to back them up and convince everybody that they're right about their error. Saul built a kingdom based on an encounter he had years ago. Based on that encounter he had with Samuel when the Lord anointed him. But what you build and what you maintain by your anointing, by your gift, you can be under judgment in this moment right now, and nobody around you know it. Are you hearing me? Peter rebuked him, say, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. What do we call that? We call that ungodly mercy. We call that unholy mercy. Why would you not want it to happen to you if it, wasn't, if, if it was God's predestined will? Why would you not want it to happen to you if you knew it was God's predestined will? Church, why would you not want tribulation when God said, this is my will? This is how you're going to enter the kingdom. I was talking on the way home, you know, about one of the churches in the book of Revelation. The Lord comes to them and says, hey, I got a wonderful prophetic message for you. In 10 days, you will be thrown into prison, and when you die, you'll get a crown in heaven. I'd be like, man, that would not make it through our prophetic schools today. Right? That that, that young man with that word would be shut down. God's not here to kill you. God's here to bless you and wealth you and monetize you, right? Wait a minute. That's the wrong word. I rebuke you, Satan, right? I'm taking the Lord aside to rebuke you, right? But isn't it about eternity anyways? Isn't it about the crown of eternity for the overcomers anyways, isn't that worth more than anything that you could obtain here in this life? See, revelations concerning the end, revelations concerning Christ's suffering, challenges the revelation of overcoming glory that Peter has just stepped into. How many of you guys know that just because the Lord says in one breath, you're an overcomer by my blood, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against you. And then the very next breath say, you're going to suffer. <laughs> How many of you guys know that in God's mind, that's not a contradiction? But in our mind, it's a contradiction, right? Peter, for a moment, stepped into the mind of God, but in the very next moment, stepped out of it, and he became an enemy to God. Are you hearing me, Saints? This is why, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I just see humility. I see James chapter 1 with meekness receive the engrafted word of God that's able to save you. Able to save your soul. You can't receive the word without meekness, without humility. Amen? If Peter would have received this word with meekness and humility, he might have been more prepared for what was coming if the church of Jesus Christ would receive the word today with humility and meekness we might be more prepared for what's coming are you hearing me and I want to assure you the mind of man says that if Christians die and an antichrist rises up that that's not victory but the Bible says we have victory are you hearing me the Bible says we're victorious in that People today are refuting the doctrine of hell and they're saying this, love wins. Rob Bell, heretic, you know, today, wrote a famous book, bestseller, love wins. And his whole point of the book is, if people go to hell and are sentenced eternally, that, does, that means that love doesn't win, right? You see how people can follow that logically out and they could say, well, if God is absolute love and mercy here, he would be absolute love and mercy in the palace of hell as well. You see how people can follow that through to its logical conclusion? Lord, help me. I hope I'm not converting anybody into universalism by accident here. (laughs) Explaining the logic. I think you guys are mature believers, so that's a joke, right? But this is what people are doing today. And they're coming to these conclusions with the mind of men, which Jesus called satanic. I don't care what logically makes sense to you about the God you don't even know. This God that you claim to be an expert on, Rob Bell, you don't even know him. You're going to spend your whole life trying to figure them out and you're only going to scratch the surface by the time you get to the end of it. You're going to spend millennia, if you even make it there, Rob Bell, which I doubt it, the way you're going right now, but you're going to spend millennia getting to know this God. And now you've figured God out so much, like Peter, you think you have the right to rebuke him and tell him that he missed it and tell him that he shouldn't have put those scriptures in there about hell. Are you hearing me? He says, get behind me, Satan. There's a reason why that ended up in the Bible. That wasn't like, oops, sorry, I'm being a little harsh. He meant every word. That's a revelation of what Peter's operating in there. And once again, we just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. How how can such a wonderful beautiful, amazing man of God with such an amazing revelation that built this incredibly powerful church become the voice of Satan. How? Same way Peter became the voice of Satan. The Bible says, you are an offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. That's how. Now listen to me. This is the last point I want to make. Listen to me. Peter stepped into the rock from simon to peter by a revelation not on the mind of men but of the mind of god and the moment he ceased to receive with meekness that revelation see jesus gave him a revelation about the end and he couldn't receive it with meekness right the moment he ceased to receive that revelation he stepped out of the mind of god into the mind of men And the Bible identifies that place that the church operates at as satanic. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is at war with God. Are you hearing me? And the Lord says, it's an offense to me. I am offended at that. I am rebuking that. You're rebuking me. I'm rebuking you, Peter. Are you hearing me? Here's the encouraging word, saints. I believe that we're about to see the greatest release of synchronization between heaven and earth. I believe we're about to see the greatest release of the keys of the kingdom being entrusted to men and women. Men like Paul the Apostle Peter. Think about the authority that they were trusted with. We have not been able to be entrusted with that authority because our revelation of Christ has been lacking. Are you hearing me? (laughs) Look at the revelation of Christ that the early church, the apostolic church was entrusted with but look who became the successors eventually of Peter, James and John and Paul they were men and women that lacked the revelation Are you understand? They were men and women that lacked that revelation and eventually the gates of Haiti did prevail against her and gave birth to the pagan catholic church The enemy thought she had overcome, but she couldn't. She couldn't because there was always a remnant of a bride. Always. She couldn't fully overcome. But it was because men and women rose up with an inferior revelation of Christ. I believe with all my heart, saints, that there is being extended an invitation this hour. Come up higher. Come to a place of union like Peter was invited into. Where you receive things directly from the Father. I believe myself, I began to touch this briefly. When I was visited by Gabriel a few years ago, it was made known to me that Gabriel works directly with the Father. And when Gabriel spoke, spoke to me, I was, it was known to me I was being given words and revelations directly from the Father. High level revelation. Right? But it immediately launched me into a greater identification of Christ the Crucified One, the cross. And oh man, it was just like this. I'm like, Lord, I've just been given this incredible encounter. Why the suffering now? Why not the power? Why not the glory? Why not the revival? Why not the stadiums? It seems to be the natural progression, right? It's like Peter. Like, I just had this revelation and now the natural progression is suffering and death for you? What are you talking about? But you see, if he understood by the mind of God, he would know that that would actually be the church's finest hour. He would know that would be the greatest release of power. If we had the mind of God concerning the end times, we would know that as the enemy is loosed at that level, it's going to be our finest hour. It's going to be our greatest hour of glory. How can that not be something you know, to look forward to? Amen. Is anybody getting anything out of this tonight? The Lord is inviting us into a higher revelation of him, but it requires the highest level of humility and meekness. Amen? We have to be willing to receive things that we don't understand. If we can receive with childlike meekness, humility, and faith, maybe we can understand later when we grow in him. Amen? If we can receive not just the overcoming, revival, glory, you know, revelation. If we can receive the deeper revelation of Christ's suffering, the deaths of the cross, even revelation concerning the end, maybe we can be ready for what's coming. Maybe we can stay in our Peter revelation. Maybe we can stay in a place where the enemy cannot find access. Amen? I'm telling you right now, when Jesus pointed the finger at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, he was revealing an access point that Satan had just gained entry into Peter's life. And it's directly connected with the word in the previous verse that Peter rejected. Listen to me. The revelation, the word that you reject becomes the access point for Satan in your life. Right now in the charismatic church, Satan has massive doors that have been opened for him to come in because we're rejecting Jesus' own words concerning the end. Let me say it again. Right now, Satan has massive doors that have been opened for him to infiltrate with the Antichrist spirit because we are rejecting the words of Jesus concerning the end. That church is the church that will be prevailed against. It's called the reaping of the antichrist system the antichrist one world government or one world religion right but the church that becomes the bride will say lord i believe you what you said about the keys of the kingdom but i also believe you what you said about suffering in the end she will be the bride she will be the one that the enemy will not be able to prevail against if it were possible even the elect would be deceived but it's not even possible that because the elect is the bride and the bride has been given the word and she has not rejected the word like Mary she says so let it be unto me according to your word amen it doesn't make sense sometimes it seems contrary Mary's standing there she's saying I'm not even married I could be stoned for what you're telling me Gabriel it doesn't make sense but yes let it be done unto me according to your word Amen? This is what the church will be built on. And this is the overcoming bride of Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail against. But it's all based on the word. Amen? So, I just feel the plea of heaven with the church right now. Please, all of my words are good. All of my words are pure. Do you not understand that every word of God is tried in the furnace of the earth seven times over? That's why there's so many words that repeat itself in, Bible, in the Bible. And when you get to the very end and Jesus is riding back on the horse, he is called faithful and true. Why? Because from Genesis to Revelation, it's the same witness it's the same spirit of prophecy it's the same testimony of Jesus it was tried in Jeremiah's time it was tried in Ezekiel's time it was tried in Haggai's time it was tried in John the Baptist's release and it was tried in Jesus' own dispensation himself and it continued to be tried over and over and over again and it's still the same word it's still the same message it's still the same witness The spirit of prophecy coming on many witnesses, but one witness, the witness and the testimony of Jesus. That's why he says, faithful and true is he. You know that he's faithful. You know that he's true. You know that he's trustworthy. We can believe him because it has been established in the word of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, help us in this hour, God. Help us to hear what it is that you're saying to the church. Help us to hear, Lord God. Reveal our hearts, Lord. Where are we? Are we like Peter? Are we resisting you? Are we rebuking you, Lord? Help us to know, God. Give us grace to repent, Lord. Give us grace in some cases to walk away from ministries that we realize weren't built on revelation. They were built on the mind of men. Lord, I pray for the church right now in this hour concerning revelation of the end. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that these open doors of deception and the demonic would be closed right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that we would walk through the door that is you, the door that is Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we're trying to skirt around biblical pathways and trying to get into heaven our own way. But Lord there's only one way and that's Jesus and you are the truth you are the life you are the word we want to come through you Jesus we want to come by way of the word help us to know Lord help us to discern help us to have a greater revelation Lord I pray even for the men and women that are here tonight Lord let us come up higher into a greater revelation of the living Christ in this place the devil will not prevail against us. He will not prevail ultimately against what you're doing through our lives, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the keys of the kingdom. Lord, I pray, release keys of the kingdom in this room, Lord God. Loose revelation, Lord God. Revelation of what's happening in heaven now so it can be loosed here on the earth, so it can be bound here on the earth. Oh, nemasamba Lord, we just ask concerning our life right now, what are the cases that are being tried right now in the courts of heaven above us? What are the rulings of the Lamb on our behalf right now? What's revealed in the Word? Lord, help us to come into that revelation. Help us to come into agreement with it. Help us to not just be hearers of it, but doers of it. What are we supposed to do, Lord, to align with the rulings of the courts of heaven? Lord, I pray for access to revelation and strategies from heaven how to walk in your judgment and your justice, Lord, even concerning our lives. The Lord told me a little while ago that the greatest companion to a prophetic gift is humility, meekness. Many times the more we see good for other people, the less good we see for ourselves. Lord, help us to see not even through our own eyes, but through the eyes of others that you placed, others that you placed in our lives, Lord. Help us to recognize those that labor among us, Lord. And help us to see, Jesus, what you're trying to show us even through their eyes. Through submitting to their revelation, submitting to their walk with Christ. Lord, we pray, do it. And Lord, if you speak through a mature Christian or even through the mouth of a child, the lips of a child, help us to hear you, Lord. Help us to not be so puffed up and so prideful that we always know where it's going to come from. Help us to hear you, Lord, in all the various facets, and all the various ways that you speak, Lord. Lord, forgive us for rebuking you today. Forgive us, Lord, for reading writing the Bible. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to explain to you, God, how things should be done. Lord, give us meekness, humility, whereby we may receive the living word, the engrafted word. Lord, we're coming to the word here tonight, not to change you, God, but so that you can change us, Lord. We need to decrease. You need to increase in us, Lord. Lord, we pray do it, Lord. We pray do it in our lives, Lord. Do it in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. That's some of what I've been meditating on last month or so over the summer as I had that encounter. I pray that was a blessing to you. Um, Part of my ministry prophetically is to expose things that are happening in the body of Christ. So if you feel like this uh, prophetic message tonight exposed anything, not just in your life, but in the church, I ask you to not point the finger. I ask you to pray on um, where that exposure is happening. Amen. We're not giving revelation of exposure so we can point the finger and see how great we are compared to their weakness. But we're giving revelation, exposure so that we can pray into that situation. Amen. And in some cases, it may be a part of the counsel of God's predestined will. You may be seeing something that it's going to play out. But how many of you guys know Even if the Bible says, even if the Bible says that it's going to play out a certain way, we still got to pray. Amen. I know some people that have walked into cities and they're like, God's shown me the whole cities, you know, going to turn from the Lord. And I'm like, so? The Lord showed the same thing to Jonah. You pray. You do what you do. Amen. The Lord may have given you that word and be faithful with that word, but hey, you still got to pray. You still got to love people. Amen. Amen. But I just want to give that exhortation, Amen. Let's not point the finger. Let's pray for people, um, because who knows what the Lord might do, Amen. I tell you what, one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life is underestimating the grace and the mercy of God, the kindness of God. Just when I think He cannot be any kinder, His kindness can't go on any longer. It goes on longer. Just when I think, for sure, the mercy of God has run out, revelation revelations run out, it extends longer. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm like, Lord, you're more merciful than even I know. You're more merciful than even I can comprehend and predict. Amen. So I pray that was a blessing to you. Thanks for having me in again. God bless you guys. Timothy? Oh, we're doing an offering? Okay.